The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, 12-time Emmy award-winning sportscaster from NBC Chicago, Peggy Kaczynski. I'm the baby boomer, and I'm this guy's mom. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Jason Kanander. I'm in Generation Z. I'm a sophomore journalism student at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, there I'm involved in Texas student television. I also am still a blogger for Southside Sox of SB Nation. So yeah, got a lot going going on. Excuse me. Uh, very busy as we're towards the end of the semester, but glad to be on as always. Thank you, everybody who has followed us on YouTube. We have more followers. Each week I check it and we have the number going up. So thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you for checking out the website as well. Listening to wherever you might get your audio podcasts. Continue to download and follow us. And please tell a friend as well, because just in time for holiday shopping, we have some stocking stuffers. Yes, we have fan merch available. Uh, check us out. If you go to our website, thesportscasterandherson.com, you'll see the link to the fan merchandise. We have hoodies. We have tees. We have laptop stickers. So much more. Um, they're super cool. Chicago Skyline, the Chicago quarterbacks list from 1992, every quarterback that I covered uh, with the Chicago Bears. Anyways, check it out, you guys. It's on our website, the fan merch store at T Public, the sportscaster and her son.com. Okay, so we like to say that we don't always get along, but our love for sports always gives us something to talk about. But first, Jason, we had a lot to talk about while you were home over Thanksgiving. It was really <laughs> great to have you home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was really nice to be home. Um, it's always really good to get a little break from school. This semester has been like about 100 times busier than I think I ever imagined, but um, always good to be home, be around family, be around friends, have home-cooked meals. And uh, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it brings people together and you eat some really good food and watch some really high-level football. And um, that's exactly what it was. So yeah, great to be home back in Austin for these next two weeks. But just ready to get this semester over with, kind of put my head down and dealing with all the all the hard work. Okay, so we always look forward to your interpretation, your um, observations of Thanksgiving with the Kaczynski family. We had, what, like 30-something people uh, at Cousin Ann's and Larry's and Max's house. So your observations, what, tell, tell me some of the funny things that you witnessed. What did you enjoy? Is there anything you didn't enjoy? Uh, no, honestly, like of all the Thanksgiving uh, dinners and all the Thanksgivings that we've spent um, with family, like this was kind of probably one of the like less significant ones. I think it was just because a good amount of people that are usually there weren't there. Uh, people had some other plans and um, also because of like the two year gap, like in between, we didn't celebrate Thanksgiving as a big family last year because of COVID. So first time in two years, there's a little bit more of like catching up, uh, kind of 
making up for lost time, not as much of like the um, kind of back and forth or like the the nice like one liners or comments. So no, I mean it was it was really just it was nice and um I wish I had like some funny anecdote from Thanksgiving that I could share, but I really don't. Like it was it was really just and, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. It was like the most average Thanksgiving probably of all time. Yeah. Average is good. Average yeah. is totally oh, yeah. fine. Especially with something like Thanksgiving with such a big family. Like all it takes is one person to be kind of off that day and say something like that ruffles a couple feathers or raises some eyebrows and it's happened before. I'm, I'm as you know, and as family listening to this knows it, I mean, it's certainly happened before, but it didn't happen this year and probably for the better. Cause it was just nice to be back. All right. You know what else is nice to be back? The Bulls. Bulls basketball, right? Are you yes. loving it? I'm absolutely loving it. Especially like after how the white Sox season ended, um, going into the playoffs, like with such high hopes and then they kind of fell flat. Um, that happened at like the same time as, as Texas football lost to Oklahoma. And I was really in a dark place. I needed something to pick me up. And for the first time in like six or seven years, the Chicago Bulls were right there to do that. Um, been way better than anyone's expected. Um, anybody can say that. Nobody expected the Bulls team to be this good. And I think that we kind of overstate how good they are. And it's more so because of how lackluster they've been in the past half decade or so. But this Bulls team is fun. And if they lose a game, at least the game was entertaining, as happened on Saturday against the Miami Heat. They lost. It was a close game, but it was entertaining. Um, so I just I can't say enough about this Bulls team. It's everything that I hoped for all throughout high school and kind of sucks I'm finally getting it now that I live away from home. Same thing with the White Sox. But I can't complain. Beggars can't be choosers as a Chicago sports fan. So you know who else is actually having fun watching this Bulls team these days? It's our old buddy, my old buddy at least, Casey Johnson. I can't believe it's 29 years that you have covered this team. Is it more than 29 years, Casey? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it might be a little bit less than that. That's how long I was at the trip. I think I've been at the uh, 25. I don't I, Oh, all, my Lord. It all, it all runs together at this point. You know how it is. <laughs> I, I want what you're using because you you don't even look much beyond 29 years old, more or less, to have covered the Chicago Bulls for 29 years. Guys, this is Casey Johnson joining us. Uh, he's the Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. As he just said, he was part of the Tribune staff for 29 years. You can follow him on Twitter at KCJ Hoop, or check them out when uh, you see the uh, Bulls coverage for NBC Sports Chicago. All right, Casey, I don't know if you heard from Adam Amin, but we did a show in which it was called This Is Not Your Mother's NBA. And I swore off the Bulls because I was bored. I didn't like the NBA basketball the last couple of years. Um, I couldn't stand uh, everyone pulling up and shooting three-pointers as soon as they crossed half court. And so Adam Amin came on the show, and he did such a good job of convincing me to give it a go again that I actually started watching Bulls basketball again. And, oh, my God, you are lucky because this is a fun team. Yeah, it is a fun team. And you're right, the game has certainly changed since, uh, you know, you and I were running around the, the Bulls locker rooms back in the glory days. Uh, but I don't know, I, I always, always feel like you, you go where the game takes you. It's certainly evolved to a different place now. But the, the players, 
I mean, I'm very biased. I'm, I've always been a huge NBA fan, but the players are just so skilled and so athletic. And I mean, their shooting ranges are so ridiculous. And yeah, the Bulls, they, they've certainly uh, made a lot of changes since the new management team has taken over. And they're at, at least in the early stages of the season, it's co- kind of coalesced into a entertaining product on the court. It's really head spinning because the number of changes they made is it's boggling, really. And for them to have the chemistry that they have, not only on the court, but with the new coach and with Billy Donovan and with the the front office staff. And, you know, typically we you see some kind of cracks here and there. And I mean, this has been a, a fairly quick evolution. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from the early quarter, you know, quarter of the season is just, you know, with that many new faces, how well they've they've played together and how how the pieces have fit. I mean, obviously, as you know, management can have a vision and, you know, make the aggressive moves that it did, and then it might not work. Um, you know, I, I do sometimes chuckle at, you know, how much this management team is is getting uh, credited for, for flipping the roster as aggressively as they did, and they should be lauded. But, you know, you, you were around – Peggy, when, when John Paxson did the same thing when he took over for Jerry Krause, he flipped that entire roster in two years, uh, except for Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. That's just what new management teams do. And, and you know, similar to, to John's vision back then and, and from 03 to 05, you know, that team was built largely through the draft with young players and, and immediately started winning. And this team was aggressively built through combination of draft and trades and and then obviously the the big moves and phrases this this summer but a lot of credit you know for their vision and, and now it's got to you know continue playing out over the last three quarters of the season yeah I want to ask about the offseason a little bit more because I remember in the in the time some of the Bulls moves got a lot of praise signing Lonzo Ball signing Alex Caruso but some of them like the DeRozan move were met with heavy criticism and now all of these moves have kind of correlated into the Bulls making this jump from a team that never really had a chance making the playoffs the past several years to a team that's kind of a borderline contender. So what was the Bulls' mindset going into the offseason? How has that translated into their success so far? Right, Jason. I say I would say that most mostly their their philosophy was just getting more talent. And it's, it's, that sounds simplistic, but, I mean, obviously this management team took over and did kind of an evaluation period and – their first offseason, they they didn't really do much. They they just drafted Patrick Williams and signed Garrett Temple uh, that that first offseason, and then they kind of watched the first part of that of last season play out. And you know they just reached a point where they didn't think they were athletic enough or talented enough to compete in today's NBA. So um, it, it started really in March when when you make that big trade for Nikola Vucevic, and you kind of push you know, your vision into win now mode, they'd sacrifice quite a bit of draft capital with that move. But then, as I said before, I think the, where the credit falls is kind of seeing a guy like Alonzo Ball and a guy like DeMar DeRozan and saying, all right, we're going to go get those pieces because we think they're the kind of uh, interlocking and complementary pieces. And I would throw Alex Caruso into that group as well, that will kind of bring out the best in Zach Levine, bring out the best in Patrick Williams. Unfortunately, that did not come to pass because of his wrist injury. Um, but just, you know, and then and seeing it play out on the court in this early stages, as, as we mentioned, um, I was, you know, I, I get a lot wrong in this business. We all do if you've been doing it long enough. I was not one criticizing the DeMar DeRozan move because I thought that it, he would do exactly what he's doing, and that's alleviating a huge burden on, on Zach Levine and kind of making Zach Levine be the best Zach Levine he can be. And also, he's just still a hell of a player. I mean, people think, like, because he went to San Antonio and he wasn't maybe drawing the national headlines, 
and his role changed a little bit. They were running a little bit more offense through him. He wasn't scoring at the level he did in Toronto. I mean, he is in his early 30s, but dude can still play at an extremely high level, as we've seen. I don't think he'll keep up. This is – and this is where I could be wrong. I don't think he'll keep up this level for the rest of the season, but to get a quarter of a season at this level when he's in the MVP conversation is pretty remarkable and a testament to his his hard work. Yeah, so you said that you don't think that DeRozan's going to keep up what he's been doing. So Bulls are off to hot start, hotter than anyone expected. But with that comes the inevitable in the next couple of months, they're going to go on a cold streak. And you look at the current roster, they certainly lack depth at the four and the five, probably are one piece away from having a shot at winning a playoff series in the Eastern Conference. So when the struggles do come, how do you think that the front office and the coaching staff are going to be able to adjust to that? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I would say this this management team has proven one thing, and that's that they are aggressive. Now, that said, they do not have a lot of trade assets left. They have sacrificed quite a bit of draft capital. We're still awaiting the uh, results of the uh, Lonzo Ball tampering investigation. I'm not going to speculate, but you can certainly, you know, wonder if there's draft capital penalty involved in that as well. If if they are found guilty, we should. Make, make sure to presume that they're innocent until they're found guilty. You know, to me, the only asset they have is Kobe White. And, you know, he's co- currently really not playing at a good enough level. I mean, Patrick Williams would be an asset, but he's out for the season and he's their first draft pick. I personally don't see them trading him. So will they be aggressive and try to go for it? Or, you know, what what kind of assets will they have to do so? These are on it for now. These are the questions that I'm asking as well as on the beat. What I would say is this again, where is Demar Demar DeRozan? His impact is pretty pretty significant because he has been through a lot of these adverse periods. He he kind of knows how to handle it. Billy Donovan is also a very even keeled coach, so I do think internally they have the structure to kind of survive. Um, you know, maybe a lull or a down period. I certainly think this is a playoff team, um, but I'm not sure that they're going to stay, especially with the East kind of writing itself after some slow starts in Milwaukee, slow starts in Charlotte, slow starts in Atlanta. I'm not sure they're going to stay in that top four home court advantage race that they are now. I had them pick six preseason, um, but we all know that preseason predictions are just that. So this is why they play the games. I'm excited to see where this team goes. Well, if, if I was to equate it to Jason's favorite team, the Chicago White Sox, um, no one expected the White Sox to win it all this year, but they did expect them to play well, which they did. So if you look at this being the building year for the Bulls to next season, are they making a statement not only amongst NBA players who may become available and, and the, everyone who wrote off the Bulls a couple of years ago and this was not a destination city for them to come to, uh, will this become a destination city? And what's the, what's the level of respect for this team now in the NBA? Well, that, that's just the thing, and that ties into the DeRozan thing again and why I was not critical of that move because you, you go out and you get a, guy, a player of DeMar DeRozan's caliber on top of trading for Nikola Vucevic last March. You're announcing the league that, first of all, you're tired of losing. Second of all, you're serious about winning. Third of all, you're going to commit significant salary dollars to try to improve the product. And fourth of all, you're getting players that are good and people want to play with. So, And then you add Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso to that mix. That's exactly what it is. I mean – this is why I never focused on the, the micro of the DeRozan deal. You can say maybe it was a slight overpay in terms of salary, but from a macro picture, you've just significantly upgraded your talent and you've made you know your organization viable again. So um, th- that's it right there. And here's the other thing. We've all seen the NBA in this day and age. 
very few contracts are untradeable. I mean, we, you know, people say, oh, that's an untradeable contract. Uh, I don't see it. I'm, although I'm saying that, I think John Wall's contract is untradeable. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll see on that. But, uh, but um, you know, I, I, I just feel like what management is doing is like when they see an opportunity to be aggressive and upgrade the team, they're going to do it. And I'm just throwing out a complete hypothetical. I want to make sure this is hypothetical. What if in year three, you know, DeMar's an expiring deal and they see another opportunity to flip that into something that leads something else down the road? I mean, these are, it, it, it's just, you got to look at more of the big picture of these moves as opposed to just what's happening now. And what's happening now is pretty good too. So I think there's all positives from the way management has approached uh, their roster building philosophy. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. Casey, tell me about management because I don't really know much about these guys except before they were hired. We knew, you know, the hot names. But are they are they available? Do they speak to you guys a lot? Is it um, are are they straight work? You know, what? Tell me about them. Well, so you cannot answer that question without prefacing of the time uh, with the answer of the the times we live in because Uh um, they were hired during a pandemic. Our only uh, dealings with them, their enti- the entire first season were via Zoom and, you know, whatever phone calls you had, you know, publicly or privately with them. Um, and then even this season, w- though we are back around the team, our kind of casual day-to-day interactions are much more limited than in the normal pre-COVID world. I'm not complaining. I'm just giving context. This is just the reality that we're all living in. There are far greater... Uh, injustices happening from COVID than media access. But uh, so you, you have to answer it through that prism. Uh, what I would say is uh, what I have got to know about them is they're very committed to restoring the franchise to proper heights. They understand what this franchise means to the city. They are both extremely competitive. And the biggest thing to me is they're both extremely connected. Both of these guys have worked in multiple uh, roles uh, for multiple franchises. Mark Eversley's backstory is also well-documented. He's a Nike rep. Those kind of guys have just, you know, oodles of contacts. Arturis Karnaschovas is so respected throughout the international basketball world. So their contacts are very multi-layered, and they're both very competitive. So um, that's kind of the overall arching themes I've been able to draw for them. As far as personal relationships, it's definitely much more minimal. Minimal. I've said this on other uh, me, uh, media mediums. Um, I did know Arturis 
very briefly or very on a very small level before he was hired. So I did have a small pre-existing relation with him. I did not know Mark Eversley at all. I had not met Mark Eversley in person until training camp of this year, 18 wow. months after he was hired. Um, so that just kind of gives you an idea of what it's like. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're also both very respected throughout the NBA. So um, those are really the most important things. One of my favorite bright spots of this year, I'm a big, big, big college basketball fan. And one of my absolute favorite bright spots from this year has been Io DeSumo. I did not at all expect, especially with previous Bulls teams, like the teams that were coached by Tom Thibodeau, rookies almost never played a big role. To see someone like Io play this big of a role and be so excellent and in that small, albeit limited role, what is Io's role down the line where do the bulls see him fitting into the future rotation in the next two three maybe even four years i mean i think they just again they, they saw a guy who was probably a first round talent drop in the second round and they just they're 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 in the process of you know stockpiling as much talent as they ca- can but as far as i owe the player what i would say is like you i was of the mindset that he would be out of the rotation but I did have, and I've said this on uh, our own podcast at, at NBC Sports Chicago before, I did have someone early in the season, uh, a team official, say, don't count that dude out. Uh, you know, I mean, that's like the message I just kept hearing. Don't count that guy out. He's just got something about him. He's He's got a very, um, you know, a tough exterior, um, tough, mi- tough-minded mentally, very physically, um, you know, able to handle the rigors of an NBA season just kind of impacts the game really every time he gets in. He just does something that makes you notice him. And it's not always good. He's a rookie. He's learning the game and learning the speed of the game. But his physicality, his willingness to defend, his fearlessness in, in taking the right shot, no matter the stakes, those are things that stand out to me. So, I mean, when you're on a rookie contract and you're a rotation player, it's gold. It's found money in the NBA. I mean, that guy, you know, is going to be on a rookie deal. Uh and for a little bit here and you know they i know are extremely pleased internally with what they're getting from him kind of sticking with the draft theme so the bulls have two first rounders next year they have their own and then the lottery protected portland pick which is kind of up in the air because portland might not make the playoffs one of the biggest things that Arturis Karnasovas was applauded for in denver was his ability to draft with nikola Jokic, with jamal murray michael porter jr but the Bulls kind of seem like they're not investing as much in the draft, given that they traded the pick for, Vuce, for Vucevic. And so do you think the Bulls are going to try to flip at least one of those picks, obviously pending the um, Lonzo Ball tampering investigation? What do the Bulls kind of plan on doing in the draft? Um, as of right now, they've really only built through free agency and trades. Yeah, I mean, obviously Patrick Williams would be the exception to that, and that was yeah. like their main move the first season they took over. And, you know, quite frankly, the jury's still out on him, and unfortunately the injury's just going to, you know, prolong that and delay that further. So um, I was probably a same mindset as you. I, I I thought, you know, given his his background with, with draft-rich organizations, that that was going to be kind of the approach that they would take. But, I mean, this is just my analysis, like – and I've jokingly said this to some people within the Bulls, but he, I'm never going to get this confirmed. But I basically think like they they started looking at last year's team and they're like, "This sucks." And they, just <laughs> they just got tired of like losing, and they're just like, "All right, we're going to like improve the team." And so they lost graphics to do that. So I'm not sure that even when they took the job, this was how they knew they were going to build the roster. But here we are. So. I do think – I don't think – I know drafting is still important to both these guys. Um, you know, the Iowa pick would be another example of that. 
Um, they have sacrificed some first round picks, so they're not they're not going to get a lot of opportunities to impact through the draft. So when you get one, and whether or not they get the Portland one this year off the marketing deal remains to be seen. You got it. You got to hit on those, and you got to hit on Patrick Williams. I mean, you know, quite frankly, he did make second team All Rookie last year, and there was some things to like, but there are still question marks about him and his aggressiveness and his offensive ceiling. So the jury's still out on him, but you're, you're right. You got it. You got to hit on the picks you have. Last couple of questions here for Casey Johnson uh, from NBC sports, Chicago, our, the bulls insider um, Casey, who's the face of this franchise? I, I mean, is it a, is it a montage at this point? I mean, I don't know. Like who, a couple of years ago, we'd always say it was Zach Levine, but Who's the face of this franchise? I'd probably still say Levine just for his loyalty and his longevity and his talent. Um, I mean, DeMar is probably, you know, given what he's accomplished and given the level he's playing at, I mean, he's got to be right there. But, you know, especially if if Zach resigns next summer, which I personally think he will, I still think he's he's the main face. I mean, he's an all-star. He's still on the ascent. Um, if he signs next summer, he's going to have been here, you know, double digit seasons by the time that's done. Um, so I personally still think it's Levine, but man, DeMar, he's just one of those guys when you're around him, you just, you, 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 you see just substance and you just see, you know, winning. And I know he hasn't won a championship, but he was part of a lot of great Toronto teams made it to a conference finals. He's just got a real calmness and poise and professionalism about him. So I think he'd be in the team picture, but I, I personally would probably lean towards Zach. I know we're not talking about the Bulls dynasty. We're not talking about the 85 Bears, but this team has so much personality. They really do have the potential to captivate the city. Well, that's a good point, and I would say Caruso adds a lot to that. But the biggest takeaway I have for that, because I agree with you, is that it just kind of proves and underscores how much this city is thirsting for good basketball. I mean, it was, it was just so in the wilderness from, you know, the Butler trade to now that it just, you know, I've, as you know, I've been doing this a long time. So I've, I'm kind of, I'm not jaded to it, but I, I, my job's the same. Right. But like I've covered good teams. I've covered bad teams. It, to me, it's just the same, but you do kind of, when you get removed from a, a down period, you know, and I'm, this down period to me was nothing compared to, you know, the post dynasty era that I covered. So, but, but when you, <laughs> yeah. get removed, when you do get removed from it, you're like, Oh yeah, this is what viable uh, NBA basketball looks like and is all about. So uh, that's been the biggest thing. And it's been nice, you know, the fans are back and people have been able to experience, you know, that element to it. So hopefully uh, everybody stays safe and we're able to continue that. And you get to write about Lonzo, LaMelo, and LeVar Ball all in one game. <laughs> the tiny package. We already talked to Lonzo. We're taping this uh, Monday after the shoot-around. So talk to Lama- uh, LaMelo and Lonzo today. I'm not sure I'm going to stop by LeVar's seat tonight. Uh, <laughs> he can do his own thing. Uh, all respect to him for the three kids that he raised. Uh, but uh, it'll be fun to watch uh, those guys go at it tonight. <laughs> Casey, thanks for taking the time to join us. We know you're super busy. Thank you for all you're doing on uh, as the Bulls Insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Check them out, you guys, on Twitter at KCJ Hoop. Thanks, Casey. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, that was really cool to have Casey Johnson join us and take some time out from his busy, busy day. Um, I believe as we are taping this, the Bulls are taking on the Hornets 
So he went from shoot around uh, to getting all of his stories and everything ready for NBC Sports Chicago, took the time to talk to us, and then he will cover the game as well. So, um, hey, Jason, it's prediction time. I think it's been a while since we've had some of your predictions. Let's get some Jason's predictions. It, uh, it has been a while. Okay, so first off, this is going to be kind of like an unfair prediction, but I'm just going to do it. So it's November 29th. It's 3 p.m. This is a big deal because Major League Baseball is about to go into lockout. So if you've been on Twitter today or the past couple of days, every single free agent is signing. I am going to predict that as I look at my phone right now, I haven't been on my phone in about an hour. I'm going to predict that the White Sox still haven't done anything. So we're going to check really quick. So I'm thinking that they probably didn't do anything. Because... I'm thinking that they probably haven't. Oh, Robbie Ray signed. I think they're waiting. They're waiting to see what no, happens with the uh, sit on their hands. work stoppage. That, oh, there's boy. my prediction. The White Sox will sit on their hands through the work okay. stoppage. <laughs> okay. okay, that's prediction number one. Um, prediction number two, big weekend of college football coming up. We have conference championship games. The college football playoff looks as like jumbled up as probably ever. It's usually like really swayed in one direction and that's why the games aren't close. But now other than Georgia, every other spot is, is up for grabs. So I'm going to predict my playoff right now. This is going into championship weekend. I'm going to say Georgia one. I think Michigan beats Iowa in a close game, big 10 championship, Michigan two. Cincinnati three, and then the bold prediction is I'm going to say that one loss Oklahoma State gets in as the fourth spot. Uh, the Cowboys just knocked off Oklahoma, made me very happy. Uh, would probably be like the most random playoff team of all time. So, and probably not a playoff team on paper. So it's it's kind of a fun thing to speculate. So that's prediction number two. That's my playoff. Um, I'm going to say right now for prediction number three, we talked a lot of Bulls today. We talked about what they can do in the future. Obviously, they have a big hole at the four, playing Alex Crusoe at the four. It's worked in some games, but definitely isn't a long-term plan. I am going to say that the Bulls actually end up trading one of those first-round picks, probably the Portland one, because that'll be the higher draft pick between the two. I think that they are going to trade the first-round pick as well as Kobe White for the four. A starting four because Patrick Williams likely won't be back. So guys like Jeremy Grant, Marvin Bagley, Christian Wood, all on contracts that aren't all that big. Marvin Bagley is on a very small contract, but all guys that can help the Bulls immediately. As Casey said, the Bulls front office is very aggressive. I think that they see this window to win. So although the Bulls have this this hole, and like Casey said, they're kind of have their hands tied because they don't have that many assets. I think that they are actually going to make a pretty big move to put them over the top, put them into one of those top four seed contentions. And because I think this team in the front office thinks that they can win this year, whether they actually can or not is to be seen. But I think that they believe in themselves, and I think that the moves that they make will reflect that. All right. Well, I actually do have some final thoughts, and I think it's because the holiday season kind of makes you a little sentimental, um, not just Thanksgiving, but also celebrating Christmas. And I think it's also because of everything we've been through the last year and a half, almost two years now. So um, my final thoughts are things that I'm thankful for over this. You know, I've realized uh, yeah, I, I typically know this, but. I just want to say it out loud. So first and foremost, I'm very thankful for family. Um, my husband, your dad, your namesake, Jason, um, you, I'm very thankful for you and your twin brother, Shay, and your talented and very funny sister, Stella. Um, I'm very thankful for our family. We, we last week, 
with Thanksgiving. We had so much fun and lots of laughs. And it was really just awesome to sit around and everyone enjoy each other's company. Um, I'm very thankful for my extended family, my father, Grandpa Poppy, his wife, Marge, my eight siblings, their spouses, my nieces and nephews, my in-laws, Lynn and Ed, my sisters-in-law, Blue and Chris and Jamie, their spouses and significant others, um, nieces and nephews, all of their kids and grandkids now, and all 27 nieces and nephews between both sides of the family. That's what I have. So I am incredibly grateful that my parents did not have a TV growing up. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> that we have such a big family. I really am very grateful. I'm very grateful we've been able to travel from Florida to Wisconsin, some girls trips in between, my extended aunts and uncles who are all out of town, um, and grateful for our friends as well. Um, they can make you laugh. They can make you cry, but usually they make us smile. Uh, after nearly two years of this pandemic, I'm grateful so much much that I used to take a lot for granted. Um, anyone from first responders and school teachers and doctors and nurses and mental health professionals, all of those people who found ways to keep their doors open, I am very, very grateful for that. I'm grateful for our safety. I'm grateful to have these opportunities to share our love of sports with all of you and with all of our guests who have come on the show in the last couple of years, took the time to chat with us the folks behind the scenes who work with us, Adam and Aldo, and to you, our viewers and our listeners, thank you for being a part of something new that we tried off the cuff a couple of years ago. And 65 episodes later, we are still going strong and loving it. We don't take it lightly. We don't take you for granted. We want to thank all of you for everything that you have done to tune in and be a part of our show as well. How's that, Jason? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I completely agree with that. I think that there's a lot to be thankful for. And I totally agree that I think I took a lot for granted, especially to have my senior year of high school kind of yanked away. And and uh, my freshman year of college, those are two of, of like the most important years um, of your teenage years and of your young adulthood. And now being kind of almost removed from the pandemic, obviously, people are still fighting and, and uh, doing a lot of great things. But to kind of see how life is different now com uh, compared to the past two years really makes me thankful for everything. And for all these little experiences that, that I'm able to have at this school, I'm very thankful that I'm uh, lucky enough to go to this school and have some of the opportunities that I have and uh, thankful for family, thankful for friends, thankful for you, of course. And uh, yeah, right, it's, th it's, those are my, my, final, thoughts. my yeah. final thoughts. So, okay, listen, if you like the episode, Jason, tell them what they can do by pressing the heart button. Make sure that you like us. Yeah, like, uh, rate, subscribe, and do it over again. Um, as always, download. you can listen. Download. Yes, I always forget that one. Uh, download. As always, you can find our podcast like literally everywhere. Uh, we've been very big on YouTube. So if you want to watch our pretty faces talk about sports and go to YouTube, um, as always, we're available audio only on Spotify and SoundCloud and Podbean and the Barroom Network, Google Play. Uh, Apple. literally like everywhere. I'm, I'm sure that if you have been listening to the show for a while, you don't need me to tell you it. So Yeah, so please continue to check us out, Pass the Word. Uh, you can also find my other YouTube show, Pass the Mic. It's on the Barroom Network there where I highlight women in sports. Thank you to Casey Johnson, our guest today. You can watch him on NBC Sports Chicago. You can also follow him on Twitter at KCJHoop. 
Go to our website, thesportscasterandherson.com, for a link to our merchandise shop. Don't forget anybody in your family. These are great stocking stuffers. Lots of sales going on before the holidays. Whether it's stickers, hoodies, T-shirts, whatever it is that you need, we've got them on our merchandise shop at T Public. That's it for this episode, everybody. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for joining us. And Jason, have a good week. All right. We'll chat soon. Love you. Thank you. I will uh, I will be back home soon. Looking forward to some more freshly cooked meals and a fully stocked up fridge. <laughs> See <you>, everybody. <laughs> the Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.